This is a True Foundations podcast. Real time, real life, real answers. Would you like to turn to Paul's letter to the Romans? And it's chapter 8. This is a, a famous passage. It is a, a wonderful passage, and actually it does address some of the issues of the day that we're in. Let me read from verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to us. For the creation eagerly waits with anticipation for God's sons to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in the hope that the creation itself will also be set free from the bondage of corruption into the glorious freedom of God's children. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together with labor pains until now. And not only that, but we ourselves who have the spirit as the first fruits, we also groan within ourselves eagerly waiting for adoption the redemption of our bodies. Now in this hope we were saved, yet hope that is seen is not hope, because who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with patience. That is a passage which is full of wonderful, wonderful theology. Now, I have to say this regarding the situation that we're in today uh, is that I have great respect uh, for the science community, particularly the medics, the researchers, uh, their ability to process all of this uh, with the hope, uh, and the hope is not that far away, the hope of finding effective treatments, and in the end, the hope of uh, pr producing a vaccine that gives immunity. It is remarkable. It is wonderful. It's not my area of expertise. These people understand things that I have no clue about. And so I have to trust them. I know there's different opinions in it, but there is a common thread through it all uh, that gives uh, confidence in the ability that before long, uh, things will be resolved. But there is also at the same time, and without in any way undermining uh, what these folks say and what they do, is that clearly uh, from Paul's teaching, and this reflects uh, the whole of the Bible, it reflects the beginning from Genesis right through to the Revelation, there is a sense of futility. Now, what that means is this. We have this world, which is a wonderful place that God made. He made it from nothing. And we know that this is the place where Satan, who had rebelled, was kicked out of the heavenly place down to this earth, and he brought chaos. He brought a trackless wasteland. There's futility for you in the extreme. And God intervened, and he carved out for himself a, a large area 
at that was called the Garden of Eden, a paradise, in which he put a man and a woman that he had made from the world outside. Uh, and he gave him a task. It was to go out and subdue, uh, to bring back into order what God had made good. That's what it was all about. Uh, to deal with the whole issue of good and evil, that good might overcome evil. That's really what it was about. But in the fall, the rebellious fall into sin, the desire to know things that was not yet theirs to know. Mankind, right at the outset, entered in to futility, which is a kind of empty thinking regarding things of the truth, God's purposes, the nature of who God really was. That is where we find ourselves. It has always been, though, like this in history. Brilliant minds of people with a good, good desire, actually able to accomplish remarkable things. And God has put this into nature. He has put this remarkable thing that even though the creation has been given over to this chaos, futility, even though that has happened, God has not just left it on its own, that it will just fall into a wasteland and meaningless destruction. He's not done that. He has put into the very fabric of this world the ability to heal itself to an extent. Now, we're seeing this at the moment because of uh, the way society has been. People have been isolating themselves all over the world. And remarkably, what has been happening, because there's been uh, a real turn down in industry, in the things that actually damage this planet, there has been a remarkable healing of the very physical fabric of this world. That tells me something. It tells me that in spite of everything, in spite of what are clearly the effects of the fall and sickness, disease, viruses, and all these things are an outworking of that. And it's not necessarily God's direct judgment. It is an outworking of the dysfunction that came through sin. And we are seeing that the planet that God has made, God has put within it an ability to heal itself to an extent. That is remarkable. That's God's goodness to us. And we have these courageous people who are in their way, whether they know it or not, they are part of God's work. And we find that in history, this kind of thing, pestilence, if you like, and other things that are to do with suffering, they are part of a cycle that happens. The enemy seeks to do harm, to destroy, to bring a wasteland, to bring everything down to nothing. But God has put in the fabric of all of this, even with fallen humanity, and it's because we are actually made in the image of God. And God is creator. He has put within humanity a safety net 
It is not to do with humanity's own goodness. It is to do with the goodness of God as he has placed limits upon what evil can do. And so we have this remarkable facility that is here in this world. That a virus comes, it goes as far as it can, then it subsides for different reasons in different ways. This is part of the goodness of God to the people of this world. And yet there is still that futility because most of the people of this world do not know this. And in their thinking, they have invested all of their hope in what they can do. And as much as I respect what they do and would seek to encourage them to do more, and I'm sure they will, we have to look beyond that and see that God, our Heavenly Father, who is the creator of the universe, is good. And he has put restraints upon what evil can do. It has to come to its limits, is what is happening. We can see this all around us, and we must retain the bigger picture of God in his goodness and his remarkable purposes. Now, Paul uses the word groaning. This is how he describes the world that we live in. It's as if the whole of that creation is groaning. Now, I notice that he doesn't say moaning. He says groaning. It is a suffering. And we as God's people, we are not immune from the suffering of the world. We suffer like everybody else. And those sectors of the church who have a different kind of voice and who they would tell us that if only we have faith or if only whatever it is we do, we can deal with all of these things. They are ignoring the truth that actually the people of God suffer with the people of the world. There is no distinction in that. But perhaps it means something different. You see, for the world at large, it is a warning. It is to direct people to God. Satan meant harm, but God means good. It is to direct people to the goodness of God and his purposes. For God's people, we should already know that. And for us, it is a trial, and it should really cause us to grow and strengthen in our faith. But in it, there is a groaning. Now, when Paul talks about the groaning here, he associates it by metaphor to in the way that a woman who is bearing a child, she suffers pain. There's a bit of groaning going on as she prepares for the birth of her child. There's pain involved. But the groaning is actually an expression of sharing in the suffering, but with hope. Because we who belong to the Lord, we share in the suffering and we groan with it, but we have hope. 
And in the end, the end result is wonderful. There's new life. It's a new day. It's a different life. It's unique. There's newness in it. There is great joy in it. And suddenly, all the groaning that was taking place, it's gone. There's hardly a remembrance of it. And and I think it's a bit like this, and I, I only know this because of what some women have said, is that why would they ever give birth when there is all that pain? But somehow, when a child is born, the pain is forgotten. And we as God's people, we should think like that in these days. We should understand that in the groaning, there is an identification with the suffering of the world. And that is proper because it keeps our eyes on Jesus. It stops us from being elitist. It stops us from looking down upon the world. It actually, in its identification, causes us to think about the people of the world. And we should have a desire to draw them into the hope which comes from God and God alone. And that's just a kind of overview of this passage. There's more to it, obviously. But to give us some understanding that God has revealed to us, we could not come to this understanding of our own. You cannot do it by scientific investigation. You cannot do it just by some kind of philosophical thought. We actually need God's goodness to reveal itself to us. And this is what God has done for us. But when we look at a passage like this, as it points us forward, it points us to a fulfillment because the day will come when all of this is past. This particular pandemic one day will pass. Whether it will repeat, I don't know the answer to that. But one day it will pass. And then there will be respite. And then perhaps there will be something else as long as the world continues. But we look beyond that. Uh, we do not just see a cycle of suffering and relief. We have something in mind for the future that God, before time, had planned that there should be. And to do that, I want to turn to a few verses in the book of the Revelation. You've got to turn to the very last chapter, Revelation 22. And this is what it says. And remember, this is a vision. We're not to look to this in terms of literalistic interpretation. The interpretation actually is bigger than literalism. Uh, It's true. But it is magnificent. And it is far beyond and bigger than what a vision can actually describe. Verse 1. Then he showed me the river of living water. I know that's interesting, and this is just an aside. Do you know that the oceans are cleaner? I I think that's a foretaste, you see. I think there's God in his goodness with this remarkable capacity, even for the physical nature of this planet to heal. 
God has put that there. But even in that, he speaks to something bigger and more wonderful in future days. Sparkling like crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, down the middle of the broad street of the city. The city is the people of God. God is with his people. And we are his people because of the work of Jesus on the cross. That's the Lamb. And it comes from the place of the throne of God, which is his power and his sovereignty. On both sides of the river was the tree of life, bearing 12 kinds of fruit, producing its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations, and there will no longer be any curse. We're looking for healing. And here's God's remedy. As we suffer with the world at large in the now, as there is a groaning, which is an anticipation through suffering of hope, we look towards God's fulfillment of his wonderful purposes. We get there through the work of God who became flesh and bore the sin of the world upon his shoulders. And in that, God has made provision for things to be made well. God is the sovereign Lord. He has this world in his hand. He has history within his hand. And in times of history, he has done remarkable things. He has raised up people who will be effective in showing God's good purposes. And remarkably, not all of those people knew that's what was going on, but he did it anyway. And we have seen in these days some troubling things regarding certain leaders. Uh, they have been using the opportunity that this has presented to them to seize power. But not all leaders have been like that. Some have genuinely, honestly, they have taken some power but for the sake of the good of the people at large. And I think God smiles upon that because that's what they are there to do. You see, everything that is taking place at this time is a lesson for us of the way God is and the way that he works. Evil has its moment. It has its day. It pushes us. It causes us to suffer. And yet we groan with hope because we know that evil can only go so far. And in the lesson here of a terrible, terrible virus, even people, through their diligence and intelligence that God has given to them, they are able to find ways to limit and even eradicate that kind of evil because evil it is and when we see that we rejoice and we rejoice for the world at large but we rejoice because it tells us that the goodness of god the boundaries that he has set upon how far evil can go they are real boundaries and god is the god of triumph i think we will pause there and I hope that you will think about these things and meditate upon them 
that you might see and know the goodness of God. And let me just say very, very quickly that the revelation speaks to us about God's purposes and where he's taking us with all of this. That in the end, God in his goodness has found a way through the work of Jesus on the cross uh, to reconcile all things to himself and uh, so that everything that is to do with evil and sin and its consequences are put away forever. And so we have something to look forward to. And we should share this message with the world at large wherever we can. And in all of that, we should be full of the joy of Christ as we enter in to his triumph over evil. And so we thank God for all of these things. And what I would like to say just at this moment is that let's keep pursuing God and his purposes. Let us not give up. But this will pass, and ultimately, Christ will have his way. And we are his people. We are so thankful for all of that. So thank you for being part of this broadcast, and I'll be seeing you again quite soon. Goodbye. Thank you for joining us. True Foundations is headed by David J. Jones, a preacher and teacher of the Word of God. His passion is to help individual Christians discover their true identity in Christ and to learn how grace operates in their lives. Currently residing in Canada, he is taught in both North America and the UK and has listeners all over the world. If you have questions about anything you've heard today, please email us at info at truefoundations.ca. Or for more information on True Foundations resources, please visit our website at truefoundations.ca.